Brandon Robinson here with the Make America Great Again podcast. I'm just going to read you the FISA memo. The Honorable Devin Nunes, or Nunes. I'm going to go with Nunes. Just kind of like it better. Chairman, House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, United States Capitol, Washington, D.C. 20515. Dear Mr. Chairman, on January 29th, 2018, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, here and after the committee, voted to disclose publicly a memorandum containing classified information provided to the committee in connection with its oversight activities. The memorandum, which is attached to this letter, as I provide by Clause 11G of Rule X of the House of Representatives, the committee has forwarded this memorandum to the president based on its determination that the release of the memorandum would serve the public interest. The Constitution vests the president with the authority to protect national security secrets from disclosure. As the Supreme Court has recognized, it is the president's responsibility to classify, declassify, and control access to information bearing on our intelligence sources and methods and national defense. Uh, CEG Department of Navy versus Egan 484 U.S. Code 518-527 in 1998. In order to facilitate the appropriate congressional oversight, the executive branch may entrust classified information to the committee, uh, sorry, information to the appropriate committees of Congress as it has done in connection with the committee's oversight activities here. The executive branch does so on the assumption that the committee will responsibly protect such classified information consistent with the laws of the United States. The committee has now determined that the release of the memorandum would be appropriate. The executive branch, across administrations of both parties, has worked to accommodate congressional requests to declassify specific materials in the public interest. However, public release of classified information by unilateral action of a legislative branch is extreme, extremely rare and raises significant separations of power concerns. Accordingly, the committee's request to release a memorandum is interpreted as a request for declassified as a request for declassification pursuant to the president's authority. Aren't you glad that you're not reading this? The president understands that the protection of our national security represents its highest obligation. Accordingly, he has directed lawyers and national security staff to access, sorry, to assess the declassified request. Consistent with established standards governing the handling of classified information, including those under Section 3.1D of Executive Order 13526. Those standard permit declassifications when the public interest in disclosure outweighs any need to protect the information. The White House review process also included input from the Office of Director of National Intelligence and the Department of Justice. Consistent with this review and these standards, the President has determined that declassification of the memorandum is appropriate. Based on this assessment, and in light of the significant public interest in the memorandum, the President has authorized the declassification of the memorandum. To be clear, the memorandum reflects the judgments of its congressional authors. 
The President understands that oversight concerning matters related to the memorandum may be continuing, though the circumstances leading to the declassification through this process are extraordinary. The executive branch stands ready to work with Congress to accommodate oversight requests consistent with applicable standards and processes, including the need to protect intelligence sources and methods. Sincerely, Donald F. McGahn, the second counsel to the president. Uh, CC, the Honorable Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House of Representatives, the Honorable Adam Schiff, Ranking Member, House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. So now we get to the actual memorandum. Two HPSCI Majority Members from HPSCI Majority Staff. Subject. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act abuses at the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Declassified by the order of the President on February 2nd, 2018. It said this was written on January 18th, 2018. Purpose. This memorandum provides members an update on significant facts relating to the committee's ongoing investigation into the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation and their use of foreign intelligence surveillance acts during the 2016 presidential cycle. Our findings, which are detailed below, one, raise concerns with the legitimacy and the legality of certain DOG and FBI interactions with the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court and two, represent a troubling breakdown of legal processes established to protect the American people from abuses related to the FISA process. Investigation Update On October 21, 2016, DOJ and FBI sought and received a FISA probable cause order, not under Title VII, uh, authorizing the electronic surveillance of Carter Page from the uh, FISC. Page is a U.S. citizen who served as a volunteer advisor to the Trump presidential campaign. Consistent with requirements under FISA, the application had to be first certified by the director or deputy director of the FBI. It then required the approval of the Attorney General, Deputy Attorney General, or the Senate-confirmed Assistant Attorney General for the National Security Division. The FBI and the DOJ obtained one initial FISA warrant targeting Carter Page and three FISA renewals from the FISC. As required by Statute 50 U.S.C. 1805 D.1, a FISA order on an American citizen must be renewed by the FISC every 90 days, and each renewal requires a separate finding of probable cause. Then Director James Comey signed three FISA warrants, sorry, signed three FISA applications in question on behalf of the FBI, and Deputy Director Andrew McCabe signed one. Then DAG Sally Yates, and then acting DAG Dana Bonette, 
and DAG Rod Rosenstein each signed one or more FISL applications on behalf of the DOJ. <clears throat> Excuse me. Due to the sensitive nature of foreign intelligence activity, FISA submissions, including renewals, before the FISC are classified. As such, the public's confidence in the integrity of the FISA process depends on the court's ability to hold the government to the highest standard, particularly as it relates to the surveillance of American citizens. However, the FISC's rigor in protecting the rights of Americans, which is reinforced by 90-day renewals of surveillance orders, is necessarily dependent on the government's production to the court of all material and relevant facts. This should include information potentially favorable to the target of the FISA application that is known by the government. In the case of Carter Page, the government had at least four independent opportunities before the FISC to accurately provide an accounting of the relevant facts. However, our findings indicate, as described below, material and relevant information was omitted. The dossier compiled by Christopher Steele on behalf of the Democratic National Committee and the Hillary Clinton campaign formed an essential part of the Carter Page FISA application. Steele was a longtime FBI source who was paid over $160,000 by the DNC and the Clinton campaign via the law firm Perkins Coy and research firm Fusion GPS to obtain derogatory information on Donald Trump's ties to Russia. Neither the initial application in October 2016 nor any of the renewals disclose or reference the role of the DNC, Clinton campaign, or any party campaign in funding Steele's efforts even though the political origins of the Steele dossier were then known to the senior DOJ and FBI officials. The initial FISA application notes Steele was working for a named U.S. person, but does not name Fusion GPS and Principal Glenn Simpson, who was paid by a U.S. law firm, Perkins Coy, representing the DNC even though it was known by DOJ at the time that political actors were involved with the Steele dossier, the application does not mention Steele was ultimately working on behalf of and paid by the DNC and the Clinton campaign, or that the FBI had separately authorized payment to Steele for the same information. The Carter Page FISA application also cited extensively uh, September 23, 2016, a Yahoo News article by Michael Isakoff, which focuses on Page's 2016 trip to Moscow. This article does not corroborate the Steele dossier because it is derived from information leaked by Steele himself to Yahoo News. The Page FISA application incorrectly assesses that Steele did not directly provide information to Yahoo News. Steele has admitted in British court filings that he met with Yahoo News and several other outlets in September 2016 at the direction of Fusion GPS because they hosted at least one meeting in Washington, D.C. in 2016 with Steele 
and Fusion GPS where this matter was discussed. Steele was suspended and then terminated as an FBI source for what the FBI defines as the most serious of violations, an unauthorized disclosure to the media of his relationship with the FBI in an October 30, 2016 Mother Jones article by David Korn. Steele should have been terminated for this for his previously undisclosed contacts with Yahoo and other outlets in September before the page application was submitted to the FISC in October. But Steele improperly concealed from and lied to the FBI about those contacts. Steele's numerous encounters with the media violated the cardinal rule of source handling, maintaining confidentiality, and demonstrating that Steele had become a less than reliable source for the FBI. Before and after Steele was terminated as a source, he maintained contact with DOJ via then-Associate Deputy Attorney General Bruce Orr, a senior DOJ official who worked closely with the Deputy Attorney General Yates and later Rosenstein. Shortly after the election, the FBI began interviewing Orr, documenting his communications with Steele, and for example, in September 2016, Steele admitted to or his feelings against then-candidate Trump when Steele said he was, quote, desperate that Donald Trump not get elected and was passionate about him not being president. This is clear evidence of Steele's bias, uh, and it was recorded by Orr at the time and subsequently in official FBI files, but not reflected in any of the Page FISA applications. During this time, Orr's wife was employed by Fusion GPS to insist in the cultivation of opposition research on Trump. Orr later provided the FBI with all of his wife's opposition research, paid for by the DNC and the Clinton campaign via Fusion GPS. The Orr's relationship with Steele and Fusion GPS was inexplicably concealed from the FISC. According to the head of the FBI's Counterintelligence Division, Assistant Director Bill Priestap, corroboration of the Steele dossier was in its infancy at the time of the initial page FISA application. After Steele was terminated, a source validation report conducted by an independent unit within the FBI assessed Steele's reporting as only minimally corroborated. Yet in early January 2017, Director Comey briefed President-elect Trump on a summary of the Steele dossier, even though it was, according to his June 2017 testimony, salacious and unverified. While the FISA application relied on Steele's past record of credible reporting on other unrelated matters, it ignored or concealed his anti-Trump financial and ideological motivations. Furthermore, Deputy Director McCabe testified before the committee in December 2017 that no surveillance warrant would have been sought from the FISC without the Steele dossier information. The Page FISA application also mentions information regarding fellow 
Trump campaign advisor George Papadopoulos, but there is no evidence of any cooperation or conspiracy between Page and Papadopoulos. The Papadopoulos information triggered the opening of the FBI counterintelligence investigation in late July 2016 by FBI agent Peter Strzok. Strzok was reassigned by the special counsel's office to FBI Human Resources for improper text messages with his mistress, FBI attorney Lisa Page, no known relation to Carter Page, where they both demonstrated a clear bias against Trump and in favor of Clinton, whom Strzok had also investigated. The Strzok-Lisa Page texts also reflect extensive discussions about the investigation orchestrating leaks to the media, and including a meeting with Deputy Director McCabe to discuss an insurance policy against President Trump's election. That's it, folks. I mean, I'm going to hold my comments. I'll uh, definitely have a whole other podcast just for that. Until then, y'all have a good one. Consider it.